Welcome to the Yogi MD Podcast. It's Nadine, yoga teacher, health coach, and retired doctor, here to bring you and your body together, not in sickness, but in health. Thanks for taking this time for yourself. Confidence. How does hearing that word make you feel? Would you describe yourself as a confident person? Or not so much? Why or why not? My friend, Dr. Andrea Watnicki, marketing and communication expert and host of Talk About Talk podcast, is here to help us with the practice of becoming more confident. Now let's take a deep dive and talk about confidence. Thank you, Andrea, so much for coming back on the show. First of all, I just am so grateful that we're friends, we're fellow podcasters, and that every time you come on, it just makes my day. This is the second time. I hope there are more in the future. I just enjoy having these conversations with you. I always come away learning something new. I love nerding out with you. So thank you. Nadine, Nadine uh, the feeling is 100% completely mutual. I love having these conversations and I learn a lot from you and I respect you very much. So thank you. Thank you. So today we're going to talk about confidence. <sighs> when I was thinking about this interview this morning, I thought to myself, it is one of those words that is a minefield. It's one of those words that carries a lot of emotional weight. We're judged by how much confidence we have. We judge ourselves by how much confidence we have. We label ourselves. So how do we start having this conversation from a very chill perspective? Let's all take a breath. And how would you recommend thinking about taking out all of the baggage that comes along with fostering confidence? That is a fantastic first question, Nadine. I didn't see that one coming. I would say, first of all, there's got to be some solace in the fact that confidence is the easily the number one question or query that I get from my podcast listeners and, and potential coaching clients. You know, it is extremely common. In fact, I would say it's more common that people do have issues with confidence than not. So, you know, misery loves company, I guess you could say. So if you just start by knowing that almost everybody experiences what they may perceive as a lack of confidence. My second follow-up to that would be something I was thinking about in a recent conversation, which is the shades of gray. So what is a lack of confidence versus being an actually confident person versus someone who is overly confident or arrogant? That's, that is the word that I would use. Yeah, arrogant. So I think it's, it's definitely worth our, our attention to think about a lack of confidence, kind of the ideal amount of confidence, and then arrogance as almost like a continuum right? And most of the people that I hear from, and I think most of the people probably on the planet, probably are experiencing a lack of confidence. Let me start with arrogance, though. To me, arrogance is when people are so beyond confident, they are lacking a growth mindset. Okay. 
So they are, they are defending what they know and they're not interested in learning anymore. Mm. So it's about setting boundaries. People, if you think about people, how they, their body language and the words that come out of their mouth when they're arrogant, it's like, I know everything, you know nothing. I win, you lose. I'm right, you're wrong. And they have absolutely no concept of a growth mentality. Someone who is the epitome of confident is someone who knows what they know, but they're willing and able to learn more. Hmm. And when I share that with, with some of my clients and students, it's like a light bulb goes off and suddenly they can go from having a lack of confidence to feeling like, you know what? I do know what I know. And if I'm willing and able to learn more, then I kind of have nothing to lose. And then that elevates their confidence. <laughs> that makes total sense. Okay, so you're in the heat of the moment. And maybe mm-hmm. you are feeling super defensive about something because I find that we become very defensive when we're being protective. It's something that's hitting too close to home, something that we feel is very close to the identity. How do we take a step back from that uh, emotional miasma? Something that I've done in various stages is to imagine I'm wrong. And what I mean by the various stages is I could say the first time I try this, I might actually articulate it explicitly. I could say to the other person, I'm going to imagine I'm wrong. So please share with me how I'm wrong and how what you're saying is, is valid, for example. Then the next stage would be, don't even say that. Just think it to yourself. Imagine I'm wrong, Andrea. How would I approach this? In, with a growth mindset or a learning mindset, and then ask the person to share their thoughts. And asking questions is a great place to start. Mm, simple, but effective. Because even if we go a little bit meta with this, it's almost like you have to have confidence to admit that you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, you know, Eventually, that may be how you feel, but in the short term, I find that having frameworks and tactics in your mind that you've rehearsed and that you've thought of, so we've consciously thought of, you know, I'm going out, I'm giving a keynote speech, and then there's an open Q&A after. What if someone stands up in the back of the room and argues with me and says, that point that you made isn't right? Am I going to be arrogant and defensive? Or am I going to be open-minded with a growth mindset? And so in advance of going out on stage, remind yourself, ask questions instead of defending your position. And then you may learn something that the other, you may end up creating like a, a synergistic learning with the other person that's greater than anything that either one of you brought to the table. You know, I love that you're framing it like this from the standpoint of curiosity and asking questions, because most of us have been indoctrinated with the viewpoint that in order to be a confident person means that you have to have the answers. So in that scenario, you were just giving me, I was imagining myself in that room and I was imagining that person asking me questions. And then I immediately went to the scenario of, well, what if I don't know the answer? I'm going to be embarrassed. I'm going to look like I don't know what I'm talking about. And I will look like someone who doesn't have authority and I lack confidence. Does that make sense? It does. And uh, you're making me think of a, of a couple things. So one is that it is very disarming 
for us to be in a situation where someone is, for example, presenting something, they're in a in a maybe a temporary position of authority, they're on stage, they're teaching us something, and for that for someone to challenge them and for them to say, hmm, let me think about that. Let me ask you a question. And like, wow, that person is so open-minded, right? It's disarming because it's unexpected. And that can be very powerful. And, and yet the person's not, they're not exuding power. They're just exuding a, a growth mindset. And the other thing is just as you were, as you were describing kind of your interpretation of this, is that I was thinking of Maslow's hierarchy, right? Mm-hmm. And you think about these self-actualized individuals. Mm-hmm. These are the folks whose confidence is really at a peak where they know what they know and they're more than happy to learn more, right? So they've done the work to meet those basic needs. So they don't have to worry about that. There is a solid foundation. There's a feeling of safety. There's a feeling of comfort with discomfort or not having to fear the unknown because we know that we can ask questions and figure them out. They don't feel like they have a lack of self-esteem. They don't tie their sense of worth in those into those externals. If I don't have the answers, if I don't appear this way, that means that I am inherently bad. I love the way you put that, Nadine. Honestly, putting your self-worth into the externals. So it's it's almost like what we're talking about here is changing what you value. Mm. Do you value what you know and your authority or do you value learning? Mm. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> wow. Are there light bulbs going on? They're fireworks. so so i you know what i'm so glad this is resonating with you but i have to tell you um for one of my episodes that i did i think it was for the end of 2020 actually i i did an episode it was a summary episode where i looked back at some of the key learnings and it occurred to me when i was writing the script for that episode that having a growth mindset really can answer so many of life's problems and challenges for us Mm-hmm. Like beyond confidence, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's kind of, it is speaking of meta, it is kind of a meta learning for me that the growth mindset really conquers all. Hmm. I want to switch gears just a little bit because you and I have talked about this before. We, are passionate about our subjects, the subjects are something that speak to us, that resonate with us. And, or maybe we didn't have it when we were in a particular situation. And we said, well, what if we could help someone else avoid this? You're so passionate about, yes, communication, but this idea of fostering confidence. I know you've done workshops, you're in the middle of doing workshops. What was your personal experience that caused this idea of confidence, this concept of developing confidence to resonate so strongly? So about 25 years ago, when I was a young brand manager at Kraft Foods, I was asked to speak at the national sales meeting. And this was an honor, but I was absolutely terrified. 
And of course I rehearsed and I practiced and I did all my research and I was ready to go with my script. And when I went out on stage, I started shaking. My body temperature spiked. My heart was racing. Nadine, I know you know all of the... <laughs> Fight or flight. <laughs> that was flight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was exhibiting 100% of them. Plus, as I was told later, my face was as red as my hair. And I held on to that podium for dear life. And I read the script word for word and ran off stage. And then my boss grabbed me and said, are you okay? I thought I was going to have to save you. I thought I was going to have to grab you. And she said, your face is as red as your hair. And I said, no, I'm not okay. And she's like, that was a disaster. And I, I just, I thought to myself, that can never, ever, ever happen again. Okay. And so I did two things. One was I volunteered every time I could to give a speech, to you know, give a presentation in a meeting, formal or informal. I, I was like, the only way I'm going to get over this is to do it, which I've heard is true. And I recommend people try it. Just put yourself in the situation. It really does get easier every time. And the other thing was I just started cataloging insights that I either experienced directly, that I observed indirectly, or that I read about. So basically, I started doing research from the very beginning on like how I can avoid having this happen again. And, and then eventually, now I can help other people avoid this horrific experience. And I like that we did find each other and that we are having this conversation because my experience with something similar to what you had was once upon a time giving a presentation as a student in front of a an array of different experienced professionals in the audience. And my superior attending was in the audience and she stayed quiet the whole time. And I went oh. in there. My biggest lesson was un being underprepared from that particular scenario because I just kind of went in with this nonchalant attitude, I guess, or, or just not prepared. And I presented this thing and I thought it was straightforward and it really wasn't. And an attending from a different specialty stood up and wiped the floor with me. I was so embarrassed. I couldn't say Ouch. anything. I, you know, I just kind of walked off with my tail between my legs. But my lesson was not one of even thinking about a growth mindset or how could I be more confident? It was, I have to be 100% prepared and turn that into a feeling of feel of being in control. And so that led me down a path of a little bit of black and white, where it was, you're either prepared or you're not, and you can't be over prepared. And then I found myself in the beginning of my podcast journey, just having a prepared list of questions and not wanting to veer you know, and then that what gets in the way is the curiosity, what gets in the way is the warmth, what gets in the way of that is being able to be open and pay attention and ask questions and really be involved in this deeper conversation. I've learned that there's a way to temper that now where, yes, there's such a thing as being prepared. But there's, there's more of a softness to it now where I'm developing confidence with experience to your point of being able to trust the process and trust myself that we're here to have a human conversation and to learn together. And it's okay if I don't have a script. Yeah. Yeah. So 
despite all, despite the story that I just shared with you and all of the times that I volunteered and then the academic presentations that I gave when I was doing my doctorate and when and after I graduated and teaching in the MBA classroom, I had the same experience as you when I started podcasting. I had my script. I needed to get through my questions and I don't know what happened, but a light bulb went off, probably similar to what happened to you where I was like, I'm not engaged. I'm not listening. I need to listen. And then I realized there's being prepared and then there's sticking too tightly to your script. And you can listen, but still be prepared. So I I feel like this is the secret sauce for a great podcaster who's doing an interview is learn all you can about the person, learn all you can about the topic, have some great questions ready, but then put your script aside and have a real conversation and genuinely listen to the other person. So I'm going to be totally honest with you in, in the moment. I have a couple of frameworks that I've developed in terms of confidence. And I mean, I do know them inside and out, but I have them written on a sheet of paper in front of me and I'm trying not to look at them. And I'm trying to look at you and to listen to you and engage in this conversation instead of like force fitting my frameworks into the conversation. And I think, you know, I guess I wouldn't say I learned it the hard way, but there, there's like a point in our careers and in whatever we're doing, whether it's giving presentations at work, whether it's leading meetings, whether it's teaching yoga classes, right? Like you have a script that you want to get through. It's the choreography that you want to get through for your yoga class, but you're also listening and observing Mm -hmm. the students. And, you know, for me, I, I think I was probably 10 or so episodes in when I thought to myself, I need to just keep this sheet over to the side and not really look at it. Sometimes it's good to make sure that I'm not missing any of the important questions, but what's more important, like the the really good stuff happens when we go off script, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, absolutely. You need to be relaxed to listen. You need to be relaxed to go off script. You need to be relaxed to allow that trust to flow through and for that good human to human connection and conversation to flow organically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think you would know this at least as well as I would, that there's two sort of main ways of getting to that relaxed state, which it, there's the physical and the mental, right? So there's the breathing and the posture and the open body language and kind of telling your body I'm not in fight or flight. In fact, I'm, I'm engaged in something that I'm interested in, right? So physically relaxing your body, but then mentally. So I encourage people, if you have a mantra, so maybe it's reminding yourself how prepared you are. Uh, that's one that really works for me because I'm one of those people that tends to over-prepare. But I say, you know what, Andrea, I got this. I'm prepared. Mm. I got Mm. this. And I tell myself, I told myself that when I walked in and wrote my GMAT test, you're prepared, you've studied, you got this. That was my, my mantra. Um, So it could be a mantra. I heard a quote from a comedian that I actually interviewed and his wife is uh, an actress. And he said, whenever she leaves the house to go to a, an audition, he says, good luck, hon, either come back with a new job or a great story. And I thought, Oh, that is such a good mindset. Mm-hmm. It, and it's actually consistent with a growth mindset, mm-hmm. right? Like either mm-hmm. I'm going to kill it, I'm going to get the job, or I'm going to have a story that's going to 
be entertaining forever. And either way, it's a win. I love that. And I would love to hear more about your tasks, your mental preparation, your framework that you use to um, cue yourself to bolster your confidence. So I have four P's of mental preparation that I encourage people to consider. And they are practice, proverb, pep talk, and pirate. So practice is exactly what it sounds like. It's rehearsing, it's practicing, it's doing research, it's memorizing whatever you need to memorize. The proverb is basically the synonym for mantra. So if that works for you, develop a mantra, write it down, you know, put a sticky note on your, on your laptop if you're in a Zoom meeting and you want to remember how great you are. So proverb. Uh, the third one is pep talk. And this one I think is a little bit less common, but extremely effective. So I was actually asked to go on stage uh, about two years ago to do an, with an improv troupe. And I was like, are you crazy? I'm not a comedian. And they're like, well, you don't actually have to be funny. We're just going to interview you and basically make fun of you behind you on stage. And I was like, what? <laughs> and anyway, they, they convinced me. And I told this friend of mine about it. And she's, a, she's an executive coach. And she said, why don't I give you a pep talk the day before? Mm. Call me and we'll run through it and I'll give you a pep mm. talk. And I was like, okay, I've got nothing to lose. And so I called her and she asked me to basically tell her everything that was going to be happening that evening. And then she's like, Andrea, you're going to kill it. So here's why. And then she's like, they asked you, like, there's something about you that's interesting. And they're looking for cues so that they can be funny. And they're not actually going to be making fun of you. And then I found later that night when I was on stage, her words were running through my head. Like they asked me here, this is a privilege, you know, things that I hadn't thought of. So that's the third P is pep talk. And then the last one, I know you and I have talked about this one in other contexts, but it's pirate. So it's emulating someone else's confidence and or recalling a time when you yourself really killed it, when you were on stage, when you gave a speech or a podcast interview or whatever it was, when you were at your peak performance in terms of confidence and emulating your own confidence from that experience and, and replicating it um, in whatever the current situation is. So, Oh, my goodness. Okay, so I heard a couple of things I wanted to highlight here in what you said. <laughs> your friend offering to do that for you? Oh, my goodness. The importance of a social network. The people that lift you up. I mean, you know that that's one of the things that I'm really passionate about are the different aspects of health. Things we don't think about. But a friend who's really got your back like that, that was that's priceless, what she did for you. Yeah. And, you know, I have to say that that's a great point. And she actually made me feel like, in a good way, I, I owe her to rock it at this now. Like, in a good way. I don't mean mm -hmm. that she, she put me in a situation that was uncomfortable. It was, it was more, she, it was incredibly inspiring. And it's, it's an example of something that's external or an external um, influence that's positive that you it's a good thing to pay attention to versus yeah. 
an external example of they're going to think I'm stupid. They're not going to like yeah. me. Um, why did they ask me? All these, this talk of, this negative self-talk of external pressures. Yeah, you're absolutely right. In fact, I would say, and I hadn't thought about that until this conversation, that her offering to do that lifted me up even before she said anything because it was like, I'm worthy, right? Yes. So I just want to add one other thing about that, though. Since then, I've encouraged many of my clients and, and workshop participants to go out and ask someone that they trust for a pep talk. And 100% of people that have done so told me that the person that they asked was honored to do so. So it may seem like you're asking for a huge favor, but based on what I've heard, people really do feel honored to be asked. And it's one of those times where, you know how people say, people really do want to help and they like to help. I'm sometimes can be very jaded and cynical, I admit. And I'm like, really, <laughs> they do? <laughs> we have such a mess all the time with our social relationships. and But at the same time, stories like this, where you do reach out to a person. I just asked a person to, uh, for a favor today, and I was... I did it with a lot of, oh, I know she's busy and I'm going to be bothering her. Does she have the time? And her response was overwhelmingly positive. As a matter of fact, she said, for you, of course I'd do it. That's how she said it. And, and oh. I'm just kind of like, oh. I didn't expect that. But at oh. the same time, it's like, you know, we're telling ourselves these stories. And you're right. People are honored and they want to help you in a, in a way that they can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually recently interviewed somebody about how to effectively ask for mm-hmm. help. Like, for example, for charities and all that, you know, for when you genuinely do need help. And one of the insights that uh, this woman's company had had derived was that when you make it clear that that person specifically can make a difference, mm-hmm. that very few other people can, the person's more likely to say yes. So I think that might be the mechanism that's happening here. It's like, Nadine, I trust you so much. And I know that you'd be the perfect candidate to help boost my confidence before this, before I go out on stage. Can I please ask for 10 minutes of your time? Can you give me a pep talk? How could you say no to that? You're the one, right? (laughs) Yes. And you never know how impactful you are. Sometimes I find myself as we've discussed, being what I like to think of as a social introvert going, oh, no one ever picks me. I'm not picked for that. There must be something wrong with me. That That's a common narrative. But then again, based on what you're saying here, if someone reaches out to you and it's you, it's because they need you and no one else. Right. Exactly. That's exactly the insight. That's a really powerful insight. That, you know, since I I heard that from this research, I thought, I'm going to save this for when I need it. You know, you can't be the girl that cried wolf. You have to actually really mean it. And when you do, it's it's a, it'll give you confidence when you're asking for something, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I just want to also touch on one thing. You, You said the magic word. You said introvert. And I think it's such an important concept when we're talking about confidence, one of the mm. five questions that I ask 
every guest on my podcast, as you know, Nadine, is, are you an introvert or an extrovert? Mm -hmm. And the conversation's almost always really interesting. And I've noticed there's, I don't want to call it shame, but it's this sort of implicit sometimes, and maybe sometimes explicit assumption that extroversion is ideal and introversion is something that you have to work through. And so much research shows that that is completely wrong, right? It's really about where you get your energy. Mm. You get your energy from inside. That is a strength. That means you are probably a better listener than us extroverts who always just want to be expanding our views, right? And sharing as opposed to listening. So I I just want to quash that whole idea right mm. now. Introversion is nothing to be ashamed of and it's nothing to manage through. And it's a little bit different from shyness. And you may learn, we all have to learn how to manage ourselves physically and mentally when we are in intense situations, right? When peak performance is coming into question, whether you're an extrovert or an introvert. Mm, Thank you for that. Yeah, thank you for that. I I didn't see that coming, but you're absolutely right. There is a sense of shame with oh, I'm an introvert and I shouldn't be this quiet and and it seems like I'm not confident because I'm not doing the talking. Oh my goodness, I need, you know, and for me, what I found is it's, it's a question of space. I need more space. Hmm. I need more space to think about something. So it, it sometimes appears as a weakness. Why can't I approach strangers at a party and just strike up a conversation Mm. why can't i talk to more people and why am i not enjoying this when i'm in a crowd you and i have talked about this i am not comfortable in crowds i'm just not i'm not that's not where i get my energy i actually find it quite draining so you know i have to say honestly i'm the complete opposite I, I can't turn myself off after one of those situations. I, I come home from whatever, a networking event, and I'm wired for hours afterwards. I have so much energy. It's crazy. But at the same time, I have to work on not sharing every thought that comes <laughs> to my mind because not everybody cares. <laughs> right? So we all have our thing. We all have our thing. Well, it sounds like you're... Uh practicing confidence in editing now <laughs> maybe realizing yes. yeah that's a that's a superpower yeah. yeah and for my entire career every time I was in a meeting probably the most common thought that came into my mind was do you really have to say that Andrea <laughs> <laughs> like save it save it right so but you know regardless of whether you're an extrovert or an introvert when you walk into that sea of unknown faces and you know that you should be talking to whether it's a cocktail party or whatever it is right I I do have a few tips whether you're an extrovert or an introvert I mean I rely on these Mm -hmm. things too so one of them I've already mentioned it's asking Mm -hmm. questions it takes 
the attention off of you and you can take a deep breath. You can, you can think about, you know, why am I here? What, what can I ask next? Just ask the person an open-ended question, not a yes, no question, an open-ended question. And that that'll buy you some time and people love it. They will like you more if you ask Mm -hmm. questions. And this has been proven socially and even in job interviews interviewers who are supposed to be asking questions of the job seeker, when the job seeker asks them more questions and the interviewer talks more, the interviewer will rate the candidate more highly. So in, you know, double blind research has, has proven this. It's just, just ask questions. Okay. okay? That's the first thing. And the second thing I learned from a colleague of mine, Sharon Ma Jin, who's a executive search consultant and she said, approach odd numbers. And this is brilliant. So don't walk up to a dyad. Don't walk up to two people because you're going to be interrupting a conversation. Mm. Walk up to a group of three or five people. And no matter what, there's someone there who's going to engage with you. And for me, this is just such a beautiful tactic because when I, you know, I walk into a conference and I go grab myself my glass of water, I turn around, I see the sea of strangers and I take a deep breath. Who do I talk to? Don't go up to a dyad, go up to a threesome and introduce yourself and someone there will engage you in conversation. And this is propelled, I'm telling you, it's propelled my confidence in situations where I'm like, oh gosh, I don't want to be here. And suddenly it's easy. Mm. Is there anything else we might have been missing in our conversation you wanted to mention about confidence? Any tips? So I guess one other meta thing to think about. So in addition to having a growth mindset and and asking Mm -hmm. questions and these kinds of things is really about focus and intention. And I know I've had many conversations with you about intention. Mm -hmm. And in my framework, I called it no distractions, focus. Mm -hmm. But if you ever feel the, you know, shot of adrenaline and you're like, oh gosh, ask yourself quickly, why am I here? Really? And if you're in the middle of a speech and you lose your your place, ask yourself, what's my main point? Right? Or if you're in a cocktail Mm. party and you're not sure what to say to someone, remind yourself, why am I attending this party? Is it because I know someone here or, you know, just asking yourself that simple question, why am I doing this? Why am I here? What's my main message? What's my focus? What's my intention? That can really ground you. And in, you know, the, I guess the thing that we started with at the very beginning, you're giving a keynote speech and someone asks you a zinger of a question, ground yourself with the, why am I here? What's my main message? And then suddenly your answer is going to be a lot easier. So, Andrea, do you have a question for me? Of course, I have a question for you. My question for you, Nadine, is before you had this conversation with me, what are your tips or hacks for trying to boost your own confidence? I will admit that after that story I told you, one of my tactics for boosting my confidence is definitely to be prepared. I've learned not to be over-prepared, though, and to stay open. And you know what I remind myself a lot? To be more confident 
is that the other person is a human being. Mm-hmm. We're all human. Be a person and try to learn from that other person and approach with that growth mindset rather than letting intimidation take over an ego and having to prove yourself to everyone. That's exhausting. I'm going to be turning 50 in a few months, and I'm actually quite tired of that pressure that I have put on myself. And I've also noticed that agency is very important. So I'm in charge of making my choices all the time, whether I'm conscious of it or not. So why not be more conscious of the choices that I'm making? Am I going to indulge that negative self-talk? Is it helpful? No. Brilliant. Brilliant. Your self-awareness is off the charts. Thank you. You you're work you're working your your way up to the peak of that uh, Maslow's hierarchy. It's a lot of work. <laughs> it's worth it. <laughs> Thank you. And so my final question, as you know, is what is your personal definition of what it means to be healthy right now? Well, I've been thinking about this question, Nadine, and I I have an answer that I'm really excited about actually because now I'm checking my in now I'm checking in with myself with this question regularly. So my definition of what it means to be healthy is really looking forward to the future. Because I think when I am most physically and mentally healthy is when I'm excited about something that's happening and I'm able to experience that whatever it is to its fullest. So I'm I'm really focused these days, thanks to you asking this question, honestly, on making myself as physically and mentally healthy as I can so that I can experience those amazing things to their fullest. Just brilliant. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it works for me. (laughs) Thank you for asking the question, really. Should I go should I go to bed um now or stay up and binge watch another episode of New Amsterdam? <laughs> True story. And then I think, no, I want to really experience all the amazing things that are going to happen tomorrow to their f- fullest. Mm-hmm. Go to bed. Look after mm-hmm. yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Thank you again for being here. Thank you, Nadine. And now it's time for the Mindful Minute. Find a comfortable and quiet place to sit. Lengthen your spine. Notice your breath. Let's choose this mantra. I am enough. I am enough. I am enough. I am enough. I 
I am enough. Return to the present moment. Notice your surroundings. Notice how you feel. Thanks for being here. Dear wise women, thank you for growing our community. Keep using your wisdom and emotional intelligence to share this episode with someone in your social circle who will benefit from hearing it. Your grandma and your mom need yoga. Maybe you need yoga too. I teach yoga to wise women. I believe in empowering and educating wise women to thrive on their terms at every stage of life. Let's hear what a wise woman has to say. I'm a worrier. It's a little much, I think. And yoga always calmed me down. You know, it gave me a, a positive focus. This, everything's going to be okay. Uh, it's just really been like a centerpiece in my life. And I didn't have that until virtual yoga. To learn more, connect with me at yogimd.net. And finally, podcast theme music is by my niece, Maya Bishop, on vocals. My daughter, Lizzie Kelly, on guitar and bass. Yours truly, on percussion. And produced by Tim Buell. Thanks for being here. See you next time.